Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Today, just like in Little League, everyone gets a trophy. This is Day 13. Welcome to the Journey Through Philippians podcast, where every day we set aside space in our lives to experience God's Word. Together, we'll discuss the context and meaning of each passage and how the book of Philippians can help us understand more about who God is and the story He's writing for each of us every day. Well, welcome back to day 13 of the Journey Through Philippians podcast. I'm here once again with Brendan Lang and Melissa Payne. Hi, guys. And we're here. We are back We again. are here. Still hungover from all the Halloween candy. Mm. Oh my. We, the well, sugar crashes happened. We're still and eating. we're ramping back up. <laughs> you guys literally have like bars and yeah, bars I mean, of candy right there's here. There's there's Snickers. I tried to bring your favorites. Yeah. This podcast brought to you by Snickers. Mars. Who makes Snickers? Mars? Mars. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Well, here's my question. Brendan, you said you ran cross country, right? I did. Some. Some? <laughs> Yeah. Well, did you ever run a race? <laughs> I did run a race. What was it like? It was long and not fun. And I <laughs> what was the hardest? <laughs> would not advise doing it again. <laughs> what was the hardest race you've run? That's a good question. Okay. So at our local cross country meet that we hosted. We Iowa? A, yeah. Well, <laughs> set the, set the, the scene for the me. The state of Iowa. I'm in, Brooklyn, Iowa. I'm in Brooklyn, Iowa. Field of Dreams. <laughs> at the golf course. And oh, at the golf yeah, course. Yeah. It has these super big hills. Mm-hmm. And I, okay. So when you say big hills. These are enormous. Ginormous. Well, I mean, for running across country, like super steep. Let's put right, it that way. Right. Five to 10 feet. I don't remember the name of it. Like, Was it Rolling Hills? No, it was like Cardiac or something like oh, that. Oh, Cardiac <laughs> Hill. We had those. Yeah. yeah. So we had those. like you had to run up it like two or three times in mm-hmm. the race and that was killer. Not fun. Yep. Did you want to quit? No, I wanted to finish the race. Why? Because my coach would make me run a lot more if I didn't finish the <laughs> race. Enough. Melissa, did you so, run? So I did. Lots of races? Yes, but not in high school. I started running half marathons, I think like in my late 20s. What? I know, right? You just like pain? Well, no, I just wanted to like... Yeah, that's I did I, that. <laughs> I picked up on that. Yeah. I missed that for a second. No, one year I just decided I wanted to set a goal and meet it. And some of my friends were like, hey, let's all train for the Nashville half marathon. I wasn't even living in Nashville at the time. I oh, was really? Living in Oklahoma. How'd you yeah. do? Good. My goal was to run the whole thing. I had never like ran one before, and so I succeeded at that. So I feel good about it. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. But it was hard as well because there are lots of hills in Nashville, so it was painful. But like real hills, like real ones. Wait, why are you guys looking at me? That's, these are, oh my gosh. I'm taking you. Followed our next journey series, we're going to do journey a journey through Iowa. Journey to Brooklyn. The Lord's promised land. You guys oh, don't even man. know. I'm excited to buy some bridges. <laughs> they're all sold. I've heard they're super cheap out there. And they, oh, the Brooklyn Bridge. Tyler. I've run like one race where that, it was like actually a race thing. Are you oh, saying, yeah? wait. Yeah, I didn't do like cross Your country. Your family travels like all around to do races. Right. So my wife's family does. They're a big runner family. And my oh. dad was a big runner. Uh-huh. Okay. But that was not passed on to us so much. I ran one competitive-ish race up in northern Michigan. And it was a duathlon, uh-huh. which is like a triathlon for people who would rather run twice instead of swim. But I was, would definitely be up So you're for just that. saying it's, it was just a race. Yeah, so you run, then, and you, then bike, you bike, and then you run. And you run. Oh, oh okay. I, totally... I thought you were saying it was a run and then a run. <laughs> I was like, why don't you just make it one big a run? A run and then a run, <laughs> and then you run some more. 
that would be a marathon. It's called cross country or marathon. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I was ill-equipped. I had mm-hmm. this like really heavy old bike. And Ooh. these like 80 year old women were on their like racing bikes, just like passing me, like flying, <laughs> pedaling half as hard Does as I have am. like a little bell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. They were like, they were going too fast past me to hear a bell. So it's like pointless. Yeah. It was ridiculous yeah. and it hurt. Yeah. There was definitely a moment where a woman with like a stroller comes running past me. Yep. And you're like, oh, you are not going to pass me. Oh, by the way, she started like an hour before you. I know. Right? <laughs> but it's just that feeling of like, you want to beat that other person that's running beside you. Oh, no, I was ready to quit. Oh, no? I was like, this bike can be done. (laughs) Somebody else can do this. But maybe you, I mean, you're a more inspired person. So you probably were like ready to go. Well, today, Paul talks about running races, talks about victory. Yep. Some trophy talk. Sure does. Really award talk, I guess. Award Hmm. talk. But Mm -hmm. I imagine that's like a trophy. It was wreaths. Wreaths. Oh, wreaths. wreaths. What's the plural? Wreaths? Wreaths. Yeah. Like yep. the Greek wreaths that yep. they like place on their heads. Oh, we saw one of those, one of the gold we'll ones. We saw yeah. a gold one. I don't mm-hmm. think they got gold Fun ones, fight. but they got ones like that. I know. That's cool. I wanted yep. one. Well, to tell us more, you want to take us through the commentary for day 13? Day 13, pressing on toward the goal. In the Greco-Roman culture where the Philippians lived, sports were a big deal. This is demonstrated by the many stadiums and athletic statues that have been dug up by archaeologists throughout Greece. In Philippi itself, there was an athletic facility known as a palaestra where local citizens would train in athletics. Because of the prominent role sports played in this society, Paul frequently used athletic metaphors in his letter to illustrate the nature of Christian living. For example, in Philippians 1, 27-30, Paul uses gladiator language as he encourages the Philippians to continue striving together in their struggle with outside opponents. Later in Philippians 4, 1, Paul refers to some of his own disciples as his crown— a reference to the olive wreaths or celery wreaths that champions received in the ancient Olympic and Dismian games. In today's reading, we encounter Paul's most famous and vivid athletic metaphor in this letter. He writes, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In these verses, Paul portrays his Christian life as a foot race. In ancient foot races, runners would fix their eyes on a goal which appeared at the end of a track. Those who won their races were called heavenward, or literally upward, by officials who would give them their prize on a podium. By using this racing imagery, Paul is teaching that there is a prize that Christians are called to receive from God above. But if we are to receive it, we must press on, straining with every ounce of our being until we've reached the finish line. This was an important message for Paul to share at this point in his letter. After emphasizing that righteousness comes by faith and not by works, Paul wanted to make sure that his readers didn't draw the conclusion that their work on earth was now complete. In reality, their work had just begun. This is a good reminder for us in the church today. It can be easy for us to conclude that the goal of the Christian life is to make the decision to follow Jesus. The truth is that following Jesus entails so much more than a one-time yes. It is a decision we make each and every day to press on, saying yes to whatever God has in store for us that day. In some seasons of life, this can be easy. In other seasons, this can be strenuous. What makes it worthwhile is knowing that God is guaranteed the prize at the finish. Jesus has won the race for us. We just need to get to the end. For day 13, we're reading Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Melissa, do you want to take us through our discussion questions for day 13? First question. Paul makes a somewhat paradoxical wordplay in this passage. In verse 12, he uses the Greek verb teleao to indicate that he has not yet arrived at his goal. Then in verse 15, he uses the related Greek word teleos to say that those who are mature should have the same view. In effect, he is saying that Christians who are mature understand that they are not mature. What do you think he means by this? What does Christian maturity look like and how do you gain it? Second question, how do you need to press on in your own Christian race? What are some things you need to forget and leave behind so you can move forward? Well, we visited in Philippi the Palestra, which is the closest thing to the athletic competition arena that is in Philippi. We also traveled to Delphi, where we saw one of these arenas where they would have had foot races and different competitions. What's a palestra? <laughs> I mean, you said it's like the amphitheater. Why I do get we it. use these words? We race. We like we run. Right. Yeah. I mean, Melissa and I ran. Yeah, we did. Jury's still out on who won. I'm pretty sure I, I, think I did. There was a little bit of a false start. Mm-hmm. I think somebody jumped the gun. I might have Who's, tripped you. There was a little bit of just foul play, and I was wearing a backpack with gear on it. <laughs> so I was weighed down. So I don't know. Your strides are like a giraffe compared to (laughs) where I am. So like I have to take like... You're running downhill. Exactly. I have to take like three steps in the amount that you take like one. Yeah. So I had to get a So you had to jump ahead of me. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And you had to have me wear all this stuff. Exactly. We had to make it even. All I'm saying is I did not get a wreath, (laughs) which was your job, Brendan. (laughs) I don't know where you were. I let Melissa down too on that one. (laughs) I actually wanted a celery wreath. What is that? We actually have like... We have these fake olive trees in our atrium. We could just... Yeah, we could go make one, right? I can do this right now. (laughs) Great. What is a celery wreath? Yeah, I was reading that and I was like, oh, a celery wreath? A wreath made out of celery Plants, I guess. Leaves? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. The leaves maybe. Okay, well, more importantly, what's a palestra? Yeah. So in places like this, they had gymnasiums. That's actually what this larger facility is. And you'd have education, you'd have all sorts of things that happen there. But one significant component of Roman education is athletic training. And so they had this hmm. sort of room where people would exercise and work out and practice stuff and you know that sort of thing. So we talked about the bathrooms yesterday, the mm-hmm. bathrooms that are- Yeah, the latrines. The latrines <laughs> that are so well preserved <laughs> that, that are, are like right there. Better technology than what you know we have at Wrigley Field to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> at least in the guys' restaurant. Yeah, at least in the guys' restaurant. The girls' one, so. Yeah. Uh, Who knows? Probably about the same. <laughs> you know what? Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Like, so hope guys. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I haven't been in the guys. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. So yeah, it's basically just this place where people worked out and prepared for athletic games. Should also add that in the theater, which we visited, mm-hmm. they would have athletic games there, like gladiators and beasts oh, right. or what, that type of thing. But that was like third century, so a few centuries after Paul that they started doing that. Why does it matter? 
why is Paul referencing all these sports things? Mm-hmm. Personally, I'm not. I mean, I will watch You're not sports. A sports guy. I'm not super into it, but like you start trying to get me to name stats or tell me because he's all trying. the starting linemen for the Bears, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell you. You don't know all the starting linemen for the Bears. No, why would I know? They're, he's such a creative. They're getting injured one by it's one, not. so they're not even. <laughs> See, they're changing all the time. How am I supposed to know this? <laughs> why would Paul have been making all these metaphors for the people right. at the time? Right. For sure, he's communicating with people. And just like in sermons today, we have illustrations and things we use and not every illustration is going to hit the whole crowd. You know, hopefully it'll hit some. And an athletic metaphor works a lot for me because this is something that's meaningful for me. And this is meaningful for these people too, especially in Greek culture in general, Mm -hmm. part of Roman culture as well, but especially in Greek culture, athletic competition, games, imagery metaphors. This is really important because it's a part of life. You know, it's Mm -hmm. something they look forward to all year. And so one cool thing we did is we actually visited Delphi to this place that had a really great stadium and mm-hmm. we read and talked about how they had these annual games there as well but it was part of culture yeah i think like physical exertion and like competition has been central to greek culture like even well before this isn't it plato who has that quote that it is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable hmm. and you like tell and, me i don't know and, <laughs> yeah it's like a well-known quote and like oh wise one another way like it's translated as like the potential to which your body is capable mm. hmm. so it's this idea of like it'd be a shame for you to grow old and not know your greatest potential. What you could do. This is is where they develop that. Yeah. Yeah. Become your best. And I feel like when you're running a race, you literally push your body past the limit of what you think you can. Mm. Yeah. Because I mean, when I first started training for a half marathon, I couldn't even run a mile. And then before I know it, I'm running like five and six miles a day. And Forget that. I know, right? (laughs) But it's so satisfying. It's like, man, I just like set a goal and I met it. And then like, now I'm going to exceed it. It does feel good when you get there. And yeah. it's so much mental too. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, obviously the physical is a component, but mm-hmm. it's your brain telling your right. body can to physically going. do it. You mm-hmm. can you can press on it. You can get there. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is you're not going from like a couch to running a half marathon in like a right. couple of days. Right. You build up to it, right? Right. And you build up resistance, and then you practice and you train, you recover, and then you practice and you train yeah. and recover. And it's, it's just like part of it. Months mm-hmm. of training yeah. leading up to it. So Paul's challenging us to keep running the race and developing in that same way, right? Just yeah. keep mm-hmm. getting better. Keep pushing on. Brendan, you had this quote in the commentary today. What makes it worthwhile is knowing that God has guaranteed the prize at the finish. What does that mean? Does that mean that we all, as long as we finish, we get a little trophy? A gold star? You get a prize. (laughs) So let's just back up and talk about the passage just briefly. Look at what Paul's getting at. He makes this athletic metaphor. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Literally, that's a word that actually translates as upward in Christ Jesus. And so he's using all these athletic Mm -hmm. images here in this verse, this idea of like, again, racing means you strain ahead. You don't look backwards because if you do that, you know, the person who's behind you is going to pass you. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. There's a prize at the end of these foot races that people could win. And Mm -hmm. what would happen is that you'd actually have these judges who, after the race has been complete, they would Mm -hmm. call the winner of the race upward, up on this podium, just kind of like we do in the Olympics, right? Yeah, like first, second, and third. Yeah, to Mm -hmm. receive this prize. And we translate this as heavenward because, you know, God's heavenward, but he's doing the same sort of thing. There's a lot of debate, like how we should interpret this metaphor. Mm-hmm. I sometimes think we shouldn't interpret metaphors. Like we should kind of let them be too much, what yeah. they are. Yeah. I think sometimes we read too much theology into these mm-hmm. things. I'm not saying that Paul doesn't have specific meanings for these, but sometimes we can get a little bit shaky ground when we do that and press them too far. But I mean, we definitely know that at the end of this Christian life, like at the end of our life, there's a prize that we can receive. And 
It's not anything we earn on our mm -hmm, own, right? Mm -hmm. That's what the first half of the chapter has been all about, this idea that you can't achieve right. your way to salvation. You can't achieve your way to having a relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Those are all things that actually sometimes get in the way of that. You know, we have to forget those things, put them behind and press on toward the goal. It's almost like even if we try to exert ourselves physically or in mm. sports or something, it turns out the heart is what really matters. Mm -hmm. You know, where your heart is at. For sure. And how mm -hmm. deeply in touch with your emotions mm -hmm. and your, I don't know, creativity and like all that stuff feels much more important than uh, sports. <laughs> well, oh, is that coming from a creative? I'm just reading between the lines of what Paul said. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's about the heart. It's about the mind, but it's also about the daily life. This has been the refrain for me, I feel like, in this season mm -hmm. of life, that mm -hmm. faith in Jesus isn't just saying yes one time. It's right. like saying yes to him every day. And right. so, again, it's not something we earn, but it's this decision to say, hey, you're the Lord of my life. And if we say that you're the Lord of my life, if you're really my king, mm -hmm. I'm entering into your kingdom, then I'm always going to honor and listen to you. Right. And it's not just this decision to believe that we make one time. And so that's what I think this metaphor is really all about. So to keep this metaphor going, we had this discussion question today and said, what are some things that you need to forget and leave behind so you can move forward? Hmm. So it's not just like fast food, right? If we're running this race, literally, <laughs> we could probably have to leave that behind and get yeah. some better recovery food. But what does this mean, like going forward and leaving stuff behind? What does that mean for our lives? Yeah, I think maybe some things that you've like really struggled with or that you feel like you've asked God to kind of, you know, take out of your life or you've worked hard to move past and move forward. And sometimes we have guilt and shame that reminds us of those things. And I think making sure that we know that like we are forgiven and those things are behind us and God doesn't even think about those things. But when we get caught up in like the shame and the guilt, I think that's when it's harder to move forward, hmm. you know, in where God wants us to be. Yeah, I think it's really anything that keeps us from like pressing on. So it can be the guilt, it can be yeah. the shame, it can be all those things. It can also be the good things in our lives. Those things can sometimes hold us back. It's, right. it's exactly what Paul is talking about at the very beginning of the chapter. Again, it's like whatever is keeping you from being laser focused on mm -hmm. Jesus and what he's called you to in life is something that you need to leave behind. That doesn't mean you abandon your family, actually. It doesn't mean you abandon your job, actually, unless, of course, it actually does right. get in the way of your relationship with Jesus. Right. But it's just recognizing that, hey, those things have their place in life, but there's something that's actually more important. Mm-hmm. You know, moving forward requires that, I think of this in a storytelling arc, it's like probably not ideal because movies are scripted and not real. Mm -hmm. But there is this idea at the end of the second act into the third act of every movie, because that's what most Western narratives are built around is three act structure. Mm -hmm. There's this moment at the end of the second act where the protagonist, who is the main character, the person you're supposed to identify with, realizes they have to change to overcome the obstacle that the whole movie is about. And that's really the arc. That's the arc of a character. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's the question is like, how do you have to change to move forward in this race, mm -hmm. to press on? It may mean you leave something behind, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to like leave something behind. It probably means that your heart has to change yeah. so you can mm -hmm. keep moving towards that maturity thing that yep. was in that first question, yeah. this idea of becoming a mature Christian. That's shaped and developed over time. Yeah with lots of tiny, tiny changes that if you look at it like on a daily basis, you might not notice these changes, right? But mm -hmm. if you take a step back and you're looking at weeks, years, yeah. decades, you realize that you have made changes and you have been able to overcome and leave mm -hmm. behind kind of that old life, those things that are not productive and are not of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's where you can continue to move forward and run the race. It's not yeah. that you're intentionally necessarily being like, ah, I don't like this. <laughs> I'll leave this here. It could be the case, but more often there's like nuance to it, I think. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's how do I change my character 
daily so that I get a bigger shift over time and move forward and pushing on towards the goal. Yeah, I think one thing we've been learning throughout Philippians is life is a lot about perspective. I mean, Mm -hmm. from the very beginning of the book, you know, Paul's talking about for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This idea that he can have joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. You don't have that because of physical circumstances, because those things don't make you happy. What gives you joy is perspective and recognizing that there's something greater than you and greater Mm -hmm. than this life that you can live for. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at here, this idea that straining ahead, pressing on, it's a Mm. mental thing. You got to press on and overcome those obstacles, overcome those barriers, those things that keep you from getting to where God really wants you to be. Yeah. Yeah. And what we didn't say about our race in Delphi was that we had to hike up the side of a mountain before we ran it. <laughs> that is true. I, I warned you guys about There's that. There's those things that, man, I was not expecting that. Yeah. And it was hard. I mean, mm-hmm. I was kind of huffing. I was ready to give up. <laughs> I yeah. was too. Before we started. And then we got up there and we're like, oh, by the way, now we're going to run it. Oh, and by the way, you can't do it in the stadium. You can do <laughs> right. it next to it because it was you, roped off. You are not the first people to want to try that. So. Right. I'm sure. Yeah. And then just, you have to dodge all these people that are over Lots of tourists, yeah. <laughs> but I like that idea that it is a day-by-day decision to follow Christ. It's a day-by-day decision to change your heart, that it's not something that's just going to happen overnight. Now, I do believe that when we ask Christ to come into our lives, that there is a transformation. But just like Brendan said, like I think that choosing daily to say, whatever you want for me, in spite of whatever I think I should have for my life, like choosing that over our own needs is taking steps towards running that race and changing that mindset and changing our hearts towards Him. So what about you guys? For your stories and for where you're at and your own race or walk or whatever you want to call this, competitive walking, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what's been the most difficult thing for you to overcome and press on through? I think when I've just had disappointments in my life or I imagined that my life would look differently than it does right now. Those are the times where I have to say, but I still trust you, God. And I still know that you have what's best for me in mind. And instead of trying to make decisions and make my life the way that I think it should be, that I'm trusting in the process that God has for me. And I think those are some of the hardest things that I've had to overcome because it's disappointment of something that I thought that was supposed to be in my life. So, How'd you move past it? Or how are you moving past it? I think realizing that I'm not in control and realizing, like I said, that God's best for me is better than anything I could choose for myself. And I mean, this journey through Philippians has been awesome for me to just walk through and see that, oh my gosh, Paul's life was probably different than he imagined. You yeah, know, yeah, it was yeah. it was probably not his goal in life to be put in jail. And I think that you see him press on, you see him persevere, you see him continue to keep in his faith, like in the Lord. And that to me is such encouragement to say, I want to live that way too. I want to keep on choosing God every day because I know that's what's going to bring me joy. Not these circumstances that I think if they were better or if I were somewhere else or if I were in a different stage, that that would bring me joy. Mm. What about you, Brendan? I think for me, it's been really a story of surrender 
I was naive for a very long time in my life and thought I would be an NBA player. <laughs> and when it became abundantly yes. clear, uh, <laughs> more sports metaphors. Way too long. Yes. Yeah. I thought that in amazing. there. It was fitting for today. Yeah. But like, you know, I get to middle school, high school, mm-hmm. yeah. freshman year. And to yeah. them, you're an NBA player. Yeah. To, yeah. No. <laughs> no. But I'm like, you know, when I realized that I actually wouldn't ever have a future in sports, mm-hmm. it was around that time that actually my relationship with Christ came alive. And I remember I committed my life to ministry and I had ideas of what I would do in ministry mm-hmm. and thinking I was being faithful. I almost pressed God's hand in some ways to say, here's the thing I want to do for you. Mm-hmm. And what God revealed to me over the years since then, over the decades since then, is what he's calling us to isn't necessarily just a thing. Right. And what he's asking us to do is make this daily surrender and say, I'm going to trust you and do whatever you ask me to do in this day. Mm-hmm. And so even when I thought I was being faithful to him and surrendering my life to him, I was still trying to do what I wanted. There are very specific moments in my life where I had to sacrifice, lay down what I thought would be my future mm. and say, God, I'm going to trust you in this. And I'm going to leap into this new area, this new unknown, because I know that's what you're calling me to, even though it's not what I laid out for myself. And it's always ultimately turned out to be better. It may not be what I thought, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. but mm-hmm. I know that God's ways are best. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Tyler? So in college, I studied abroad and I lived in Germany, mm-hmm. which is where the Reformation happened with Martin Luther. And there was a lot of free thinking and new ideas about religion and what Christianity mm-hmm. could be. And living there was interesting because this amazing period in church history happened there. And yet we would go to churches on like art tours. Every city has a beautiful church, Mm -hmm. at least one, if not many, and they're works of art and they're works of architecture and they're amazing and they're empty. Mm. Mm. And like people have tried that. They've tried religion Mm -hmm. for a while and it didn't seem to work out well for them. And not that there's not a church movement in Germany, but like these large pillars of society were built with great intention, but the practicality was lost on the people who didn't attend that church, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I had to come to terms with was this idea of like the faith that I grew up with Mm -hmm. was something that I sort of had to leave behind in exchange for ownership over Mm -hmm. my own thinking, my own belief, and the practicality of what it means to be the church to a community and Mm. what it means to be a church to the world and not just art for the sake of art or... Mm -hmm creation or glorification for the sake of doing it, you know, those are acts of worship, but if they're not helping people find Jesus, Mm -hmm. then what's the point? That's probably the thing I had to leave behind was this idea that I was just going to go and like do what I wanted Mm -hmm. in my life and come to the realization that I'm just going to do what God wants me to do. Yeah. And whether that looks like doing a podcast or it looks (laughs) like going to Philippi, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. we'll just keep following and listening for the next thing because ultimately, if it helps one person yeah. see Jesus, then it's all worth it and our lives can be fulfilled and hopefully we get one of those olive wreaths at the end. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining us today for the Journey Through Philippians podcast. To check out even more resources like videos from Philippi, children and family resources, and eBooks for all ages, visit our journey page at willowjourney.org. And follow us on Instagram at Willow Creek NS. Be sure to share your journey experience on social media with the hashtag Willow Journey. If you have questions or would like to learn more about the ministries of Willow Creek Community Church, check out willowcreek.org. We'll see you tomorrow.